Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry, here with Max and Terry, uh, the usual crew. Uh, gentlemen, are you okay today? Pretty good. Pretty well. Yeah. See, we got a, a dual response there, but you, I, I'm not even going to have to ask them to redo that because, you know, very well and pretty good uh, over the top of each other. You know, you get the gist. Um <laughs> Before we dig too deep, uh, the people who are actually watching this, you might notice uh, the set has had a little bit of an upgrade with Everton gear. Um, I was going to say Everton swag, but I'm 40 years old. <laughs> 40 years old. Okay, it, it doesn't work. So uh, anyway, special thanks to uh, Footy Club underscore UK. Their website is Club Shop Direct. They hooked me up uh, with a rockin' scarf. Goodison Park sign, these awesome little little dudes. You get Pigford and Sigurdsson, and both my boys were going ape shit for that. <laughs> and uh, and lastly, yes, I'll be drinking drinking my uh, my coffee from this on the on the show from now on. So anyway, thank you very much, Club Shop Direct, Footy Club underscore UK. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Um, I was very Everton gear poor, and now I'm feeling a little better. I geeked <laughs> out like crazy. I'm sorry. It was just awesome. So um, the next thing you might notice, and, and podcasters, you, you may be able to hear it in his voice, but uh, Max has had a good day. Yeah, He's had a very good day. And the people who are watching are going to notice he's, he's wearing a tie, you know, and, and he, he just looks... The guy already lo normally looks immaculate, but it's even more so now. What what the hell? So Max had a great day. Max, yep. do I need to set this up a little bit, or or, or do you want to just roll no, with it? No, I'm good. I thought you were going to say part of the upgrade was Max wearing a suit, but you didn't work that in there. Um, <laughs> this, the company haven't sent me the suit, by the way. I have actually had to fucking wear that. But no, I've had a, an excellent day by all accounts, as in... As some viewers may know, I go to a, like a, a football-orientated university um, that's based out of the Etihad Stadium, and they they run an entrepreneur competition every year. And I thought, you know, why not have a crack um, to a need well the, the the initial thought process is to set a podcast up right in branded by the uni. I feel like there's a market for it. I had to prepare a pitch and a presentation, presented it to four members of the board, including one of the founders of Orlando City, and they've decided to give me 3K towards it, which I've got a very busy week, and that's a great start. Nah, oh, man, I'm, I'm ridiculously proud. If only you had some experience presenting, like, kind of. every week, twice a week. <laughs> No, no. no, man, that's awesome. You had to. I can imagine you would be like very <laughs> confident and comfortable, and you will have done your research because that's what you do. Yeah, you know. Uh, so, question: It's branded by the the uni. Uh, what will you actually be talking about on the podcast? I'm not entirely sure as of yet. Like, it's obviously still in its infancy, and I've, I've yet to even receive many details of what direction they want to go with it. But my idea behind that is to when they get industry specialists in. Um, to say rather than give 
rather formal structured interviews come and do the podcast instead and as you know you tend to get a more relaxed and subjective conversation which I feel mm-hmm. like would avoid people getting misrepresented which they so often are so it's worth a crack that's awesome uh, that is great I'm excited for you man that is thank you yes and and he's like super young folks too Jesus Christ uh, yes you are to, to Mr. Gray here here you're very young alright so uh, and for the people who are listening I just want to let you know Terry's here too and he is also awesome but he just didn't have a presentation today alright <laughs> I'm just saying alright but uh, alright well we're gonna be getting a, a big, a big, uh, a big wad of Terry here in the Darby reaction. Trust me. I, um, yeah, yeah. You like my terminology there, Terry? Terry <laughs> for pod listeners, his eyes went super wide. Uh, <laughs> um, that was the show. <laughs> <laughs> the format has changed, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So we're in decent spirits, which is cool. Um, Darby happened yesterday. We'll talk more into deta- in, in detail on that uh, to kind of that's the 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 early beginnings of your little summary for the podcasters out there. We're starting with our Darby reaction. That's what's going to happen. Um, Max was there. Terry and I. Uh, Terry, I'm assuming you watched on the on the television as well, like like myself. Um, so we'll be talking about about uh, about the game and how how all that went. Um, then we're going to talk about uh, Morgan Schneiderlin. Where did this guy come from? And, and, and is Max back in his corner? Is Schneiderlin's number back on speed dial on Max's phone? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the man crush goes on. Uh, and then we're going to talk about maybe a less man, man crushy subject. Uh, Theo Walcott. That's a thing. He continues to happen. And start. And he's usually not the worst person on the pitch so this is a thing we need to discuss because you know not a lot of people are saying you know i'm looking forward to watching walcott today that said no one so, uh, so we got to figure that out um and we're going to finish with if you know your history it's an everton quiz and guess what gentlemen max i just want to go ahead and apologize to you profusely for the timing of this math quiz damn Max has has done a little a little bit of celebrating, and so he's gonna have to do math now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And uh, and Terry, if you if you don't if you don't smash this one, then I'm <laughs> this is your time for real. Uh, all right, guys. So let's talk Darby. Um, I'm gonna lob a softball question at Max, and then I'll. Then I'll go to Terry for the more for the more football related stuff. Uh, Max, you were there. Uh, I saw your video on 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 the the twitters. Uh, it seemed pretty damn electric. Uh, it's it, honestly through the TV. I was sitting there just admiring how up for this Goodison were. Has it been the best atmosphere this this season? Yeah, by far, definitely. That um, it started floating around, make Goodison horrible again, and that's exactly what it was. It was just, you know, I felt good. You felt good being in there. The the atmosphere was just primal. 
when I come in. Um, one of my closest mates works in the, uh, the little kiosk in the family enclosure where I sit. And uh, got, I usually go over to him to when, when I get coffees and that. So I, I was ordering coffees and talking to my mate. And it was just that loud. He was like, what can I hear? Like, it was just, the atmosphere was that good. It felt like some sort of European game almost. Um, yeah, and I, I felt like Tony Bo- yeah, Tony Bellew was going to come out when I started in the sirens, but <laughs> nah, and that is a, that's a feature that needs to be used more often because it got the crowd right up for it. I think that just completely added to the atmosphere too. You think Max used that on, on special games, or, uh, or are you one of those who wants to hear it every, every home match? <sighs> think about it, though. We, we've got big games coming up, so, I mean, yeah, like... We've got we've got the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea and Man United coming up, so it's as having a, t- a games to use them. They're the games, aren't they? That's true because uh, we need to stay up. <laughs> these are not no, these are not these are not difficult. No. Or these are not easy uh, matches coming soon. I don't th- I don't think we're that bad. I don't think we need to. Oh no 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 no! When I stay up, I meant momentum. I didn't mean going down. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not. I, that was like I, a, a, I do like not mean it like that. Like, please don't be going that negative. Hell no. Am I ever that <laughs> negative? I'm like the naively positive American guy. Remember? It's, uh, gosh, I, I Max stares through the screen and heat beams shoot out of his eyes. What are you talking about relegation? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it was cool to watch. I was actually watching uh, from a bar. With some uh, some other Everton supporters, and the other half of the bar were Liverpool supporters, some of whom I know and are actually okay Reds. Uh, but uh, it was it's funny. I feel like we just cheer. We're a little different than the Liverpool supporters, you know. Um, I don't know. They seem to cheer the ball every time they got the ball across midfield, as though it was going to be a chance. You know, you'd hear this, hey, you know, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We just, we just intercepted it. We're going the other way. What are you cheering for, guys? This is, this is not a, this is not a moment, you know, and the irony of being accused of cheering for corners <laughs> when that's actually the case. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was cool. It was one of those, they actually, they took it, I, uh, they took it like a loss. They did. Yeah, uh, we will do, won't they, yeah. if, that, that, if that's the game that cost them the league, then. You will do so you can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terry, let's let's talk about the the actual football that happened, the actual game, um, the two like what the hell moments, uh, or, or the what what the hell sig, sig, uh, submissions to the starting lineup. Schneiderlin and Walcott were the two. I think a lot of Everton supporters were like, hmm. Um, Walcott the main one because Schneider, but however they both played well the previous match right so um, thoughts on give me some thoughts about how you felt uh, Silva set up the team and uh, how that worked how that worked for him basically um, to be honest I think he's turned to Schneiderlin um, in the 17 day gap because he, he realized that the defense. They were, they were. Re- I mean, come on, they were really poor for the pre-games. Any for the, all the games prior to Cardiff, the defence had been poor in several different ways. So I think he thought, well, I need to do something. I need to change the makeup. 
of the team a little bit. He said he wasn't going to do make drastic changes to how he approaches things, but he did make you know he, he took Andre Gomez out of the team. You lose a lot of a lot of creativity, a lot of um, you know good possession, good possession player there, but. Seemingly, the last two games, two clean sheets. Schneiderlin coming in has worked. It's we we seem a lot more solid with him in the team now. The Walcott inclusion, I I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. Like he's just not been at it for the majority of the season, and I I really did think that where he was going to start Luckman, because Luckman has been. Every time he plays against Liverpool, any Liverpool fan will tell you that he's a good player because he's performed against them in the very, you know, the small snip, small cameos he's had against them. He seems to like playing against them. He seems to find it, you know, get a lot of space maybe because their fullbacks leave a lot of space behind them. I was amazed to see what no Luckman not even on the bench and um, Walcott starting because he's been poor and he was poor again. But do, do we know team, why at all about Luckman? Why? I, I don't know why. No, I always led no to believe. Way. I think we thought he was injured, like when he was left out of the squad a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, and Silva said it was tactical. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm under the impression it's tactical again this time, which just kind of leads me to believe that he felt like, you know, our, our players on the bench that he had were uh, a little more dangerous off the bench. Um, this could be an attitude thing, or it could just be unfortunate numbers, kind of thing. Yeah, cause I, I, I talked. I was speaking to a mate about this today, and it, he said that might be the, you know the like testing his attitude, mm. but I, I like literally being the situation being as it is, he is an effective player that we should utilize. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you know you'd exclude him like that. He, he he can change games, particularly when we were going through the bad run. Could have done with him, but mm. yeah, I don't understand the club's treatment of him. To be fair, because. You know, he's a very valuable player. You know, if he is to be sold on, he could be sold on for upwards of forty, fifty million if we play him and give him time. But I, I, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not for excluding him at all. Yeah, I told the guys near me. I said, you know, I have no idea why Lookman's not in the team. He's one of the only people that we have that can come off the bench and change a game. Literally the same thing you just said, Max. It's just like a repetitive cycle with him. No, every season it's like he. You know, he comes in for a bit, looks good, everyone wants him to play, and then he disappears. And it's not like the players who are ahead of him are outperforming him or playing really well, and he just can't get in. It's like Walcott's, you know, he's turning into the boo boy, but that's not really, you know, I can't really blame the fans for that because he's not been playing well and he's he's ineffective in a lot of games. And you've got another player there, this young player. Everyone rates, everyone can see it. Even the manager has gone to great lengths this season to explain he's a great player. We're going to use him. We're not selling him. So on and so forth. And then these games come along and he's just nowhere to be seen. There's something more to it, clearly, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, we'll talk more about about Walcott and about Schneiderlin in in subsequent segments. We've got uh, one on each of those guys coming up, and I have a feeling we'll delve back into Lookman at that point as well. Um, thoughts on the substitutes uh, Richarlison came in for Walcott on the right uh, Gomez came in for Schneiderlin and Jink Tosun came in for DCL uh, what did you guys think of uh, think of the subs um, Max do you want to start I, on that yeah I thought I thought the initial lineup you know was part of a game plan to bring those subs on and try and 
you know, effectively change the game. You know, when you bring Gomez in, you obviously get a lot better possession play and agility going forward than you do with Chenardland. So obviously that would create chances later on. So, I, you know, I, I, if that's what I made of the substitutions. But um, Calvert-Lewin, you know, he, he ran his legs off, but he, he did look gassed at the end. And I think that was something that I, um, I grasped from the end of the game, really, that Liverpool looked a lot fitter of a team. We did look knackered at the end, but it was a, a great performance from us. Terry, what did you think about the subs? Pretty much spot on, or did you, did you raise some eyebrows about one or two? Um, as in the whole bench or just the ones who came oh, on? Oh, the ones that came on, I'm sorry. ones who came on. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they were what they were. I mean, I thought Richarlison coming on for Walcott was was the right move because Robertson had, had, been, had found it quite comfortable uh, down that side until Richarlison came on and Richarlison started giving him something else to think about because it had literally been... Uh, Coleman versus Robertson the whole time until Richarlison came on. And then when Richarlison came on, he started to get behind him and um, pulled Van Dyke across, which opened up space for the rest of the team. And it was around that time that we started to see some of our better possession and better chances. Um, the other substitutes, Tosin, thought that was an, an obvious one. Calvert-Lewin had worked his socks off. He he played really well. He, he made life difficult for what is one of the best if not the best defender in the world Van Dijk was fantastic and when I say he's made life difficult he didn't like you know Van Dijk didn't struggle don't get me wrong but it's a lot it's very easy for a lot of strikers to just shrink when they're trying to play up against a defender like that and Calvert-Lewin didn't give him a moment's rest and when he actually peeled off Van Dijk and when when and started playing against Matip he started to gain a lot of joy you know some of the spins he did were really good and I just thought it was time to replace, you know, give, give you know, give him a rest. He, he, you know, he'd he gassed himself, as Max said. The name, Tosin is a box striker, and it could, you know, on another day something could have fell for him. And uh, who was the last one? The last substitute. Um, remind me. Gomez for Schneiderlin, Richarlison for Walcott, Tosin for DCL. That's what all three. I think you commented on all. Uh, no, Gomez. I was really happy to see Gomez coming for Schneiderlin because I thought at that time in the game we needed more creativity from the midfield. Schneiderlin had, even though he'd had an all right game for the most part, had started to give away some sloppy possession before he came off. He'd started to, when there's when Liverpool substitutes came into the game, Schneiderlin started losing it or like you know having it bounce off him and stuff. And I thought it's about the right time to bring in uh, Gomez, someone who can really, really keep the ball and and move her about the pitch in, in different ways. So I thought the substitutes were spot on. He didn't, he didn't, you know, reinvent the wheel with any of them. He didn't change formation with anything. But they were all like for like swaps for the players who I think needed to come off. So yeah, happy with the subs. Yeah, I I like them because they were positive substitutions to try to get a goal. You know, it wasn't like let's throw in an additional center back. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we were we were having chances though. Yeah. So you can understand that it was it was quite a competitive game. It really was, and that's like it. You know, it wasn't. Sorry, go ahead. You know, it wasn't. I'm just saying, like you said, it, it wasn't well, like the previous derbies where we've kind of felt the inferior side. Although Liverpool did have more of the more of the ball, both teams had the chances and just didn't take them. Yeah. There's only one team going to win it in that second half, though. Liverpool were by no means out the game, but I I felt towards the end that we were more likely to get the winner than they were because their front three were just having a terrible day, and as they showed against Man United, when their front three aren't on it, they you know they really labour, 
And don't get me wrong, our home crowd, I think, bridge the gap between two teams where there is a difference in quality. But I, I, we were not, um, we were not at any points, you know, defending for our lives, trying to, you know, you know, get out the game with the points. Or you know, people say, "Oh, you celebrated a nil-nil." It's like, no, we 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 celebrated costing you a big, big chance of the title, and you know that. So. And it could have been worse for them. They they come away thinking they thinking oh they're celebrating a nil nil when you you could have lost. You really you know the last the two games you have played against Everton, Liverpool have played against Everton. Once they got a fluke a fluke goal in the first game and it was an even game. And in this game they had no fluke goal to save them. So they got the drip. Mm. Yeah, I I finished that game relieved but annoyed because I wanted to win. This this mentality, I'm. Last year's mentality, I'm trying to rinse it from my brain, okay? Last year's mentality, the idea of trying to cling on and grab a point, you know what I mean? Like, we had chances. And I was, so I, I was sitting there thinking that part of me would sit there and think, okay, a squeaky bum time, you know, we got to make sure we don't let a goal in. But then I'm like, no, let's win this shit, you know? And that's, that right there, I, it's actually, I like that feeling. Because, yeah, we could have. We could have. This is not a delusional thing. We had opportunities. DCL put a header and was going side netting until Allison saved it. You know? So mm-hmm. there were opportunities. They had opportunities, too. Pickford looked good, made, made some strong saves. Yeah, but between Pickford and Keane for one of the match, for me, purely based on those two incidents, like, he was clean mm-hmm. through, and last year he probably would have scored. Yeah. So. Last year he would have had two goals, the two the two mm-hmm. chances. I thought uh, that you know goal both times, especially that first one with Pickford. But they were good, you know, fantastic from the two of them. Yeah, and I think full credit needs to go to our defence for that performance. Like it was, you know, to the credit, a really good defensive performance for you know better than what we've seen in a while. I was going to mention Coleman, who I think a lot of us we've been talking about right backs. He's been playing better lately. He is stepping forward yeah. instead of, I don't know, you actually see him, I see him making a lot fewer mistakes now. And he doesn't. he's not looking as slow, which I don't understand how he pulls that off for the matter of like a month. But he's, him and Luca Dean, you know what I mean? Luca Dean. Yeah. That one in the first half that he, he the great, great challenge that one well. where he recovered and managed to just blast it out. And, yeah. Luca Dean. People saying he can't defend. Seriously, guys? Seriously? You just watch a game. Just watch one damn game. It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of different people you can go for man of the match for, for just uh, sheer effort and work rate. Um, and, again, DCL, uh, I think his, actually his defensive play and his pressing was impressive. And the fact I think right now he is our starting striker. That's the that's the way yeah. I'm seeing it, and I will say, although you know, I I like the idea of Jenk Tosin, but I didn't feel like we were more likely to score when he came on. It was kind of like, okay, we're Good losing goal. speed. We're getting someone who may be better with hold up play and maybe better with one some of these one touch uh, balls. You mentioned a box striker, Terry. That's true. He is sort of a box striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just not as good in the air as Calvert Lewin. He's just because he's not as tall, and he can't. He doesn't jump as you know. So 
I was kind of, I don't know, that was the only sub where I was kind of like, eh. But you guys said you noticed that he looked, that DCL looked tired. That right there, fresh legs do a lot. And you know what? Full credit goes to Tosun. He, he was pressing hard, really hard. And they made a number of mistakes in the back because he and Sigurdsson were sitting there pressing so high up. Terry has asked for a little bit of time to, to, talk about, to talk about Liverpool as an entity. So, Terry, floor is yours. <laughs> it's not so much Liverpool as an entity. It's just like some of the... Uh... Some of the narrative before and after the game, it's like, oh, you know, even though the context was a little bit ropey, the the World Cup fans, like, well, Klopp maybe shouldn't have characterised this as a final because didn't win that one either, did he? <laughs> and then Van Dijk afterwards, so it says a lot that he celebrated a nil nil. Like, yeah, well, your club did a handheld celebration after a two two at West Brom. So sorry, fellas, suck it up to the waist like club in football for being able to give it out but not take it they loved it when they spawned that goal when they fluked that goal in the derby they knew it was a fluke and they ate it up and now we've drawn with them we've cost them a point we've cost them two points it doesn't mean they've lost the title but they're throwing their toys out the pram oh you cheer corners oh you only care more about uh, be, uh, stopping us doing anything it's like oh yeah every set of supporters in world football has rival supporters from their own town, but not you. You don't care about us. It's all it's all one sided with us. It's you're on this. You're levitating above the rest of us. You're a different type of supporter. You don't hate your local rivals. It's just us who hate you. Listen to yourselves. Uh, and, uh, I want to give credit to Marco Silva for uh, knowing God, because apparently he was able to make it windy from all directions. But and, and to only affect one team, though. It only affected one of them. Both teams didn't deal with the elephant elements. It was just one. You know, so, Silva, yeah. it's good that you know same, God. Same well old, done. Same old, same old, same old. Whenever he doesn't get his results, he's everyone's best friend and he oozes charm when he beats you. But then when he doesn't get the results he wants, his, when he, the results he wants, he just uh, throws his toys everywhere and friggin' price tag hanging off his teeth the phony get like ha 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 boom like yeah <laughs> can we give some credit to the oh ball my ball, gosh please? yeah that's yeah sorry that's that's what i was getting yeah i love that he went over to front the ball boy a kid who's probably not even 16 and the ball boy just wasn't phased and and he's just like he, he's tried to laugh it off now hasn't he like oh yeah i was just having a laugh with him he, like the kid's dad's come out and said he didn't say anything abusive. Yeah, but it's on camera. He clearly goes up to him expecting the kid yeah. to bottle it. And he doesn't. The kid just goes, <laughs> what? It's a kid. Kids are fearless. Like, you're not going to do nothing, are you, Jürgen? You just... The thumbs up, mate, for me. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'm not being funny. We drew the game. They can say, well, they like going, oh, you're going to finish 10th and, you know, you, you, you're celebrating a draw against us. Like, yeah. What is it? 30, 30 years since they last won a title. So and you 33 know. since we won one. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not, I'm not commenting everything better than Liverpool. But it's like, no, you can't, you can't give it out like you do if you're unwilling to take it. And that's the thing. That's the the core thing that bothers me about it. Like I don't honestly pay any attention to them until they play us, and then it bothers me loads because they act like they're not like other football supporters. They act like they don't do. What we would do, they oh, you don't want to beat Man City. It's like, yeah, but you 
I remember Gerard playing a ball through to Drogba to stop Man United winning the league. They're the same as everybody else, but they don't think they are. You think they're better, and that's why it feels so good when you upset them. Terry Sorry. unleashed. Just it was a good through, good through ball by Gerard as well. <laughs> you are. The good through ball by Gerard as well. I know. It just that bothers me. It's like they they've got this sort of perception of themselves that they're not like the rest of the football world, and they don't they don't behave the way we do. And yes, you do. You're just in denial about it. You'd if Everton were going to win the league, and Liverpool could draw with them and knock them off the top spot, they'd be cheering a draw as well. They're no different than anyone else in either way. I'd also like to point out that we usually. You know, as far as accountability and taking responsibility, we usually will say, "Oh yeah, well we we played like like shit. This player did something wrong. This player did something wrong," and um, you know, I feel like that's what we do. We we look and we and we 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 see ourselves as humans who actually make mistakes, and, and it, usually we're like we we find we take responsibility. You know, we find who's accountable, um, and they blame the grass. So. Thing we fantastic football team, but a frustrating set of supporters. Yeah. And it's not everybody. With. There's some. There's, yeah. No. To, to paint with a with too wide a brush is you know, it's ridiculous. You know, um, we're not Sith lords. See, the only Sith lords deal in absolutes. Yet that it itself is an absolute. There, there's your geek for the day. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um. But I've got a couple of really good friends who are Reds. They're they're nice guys, uh, and they're nothing like the absolute virus type of thing that you find on social media. You know, it, it's it is mm-hmm. sick. I'm the most I'm the most level-headed, easygoing blue any Liverpool fan will ever meet. But the reaction after that nil-nil has been ridiculous. They just I hate anyone who can't take it, but they're happy to give it. Does me as in. Mine too. I should have fit in. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, and I got to be honest. I don't see angry Terry very often, and he's not really angry right now. He's just like, <laughs> "What?" It's more just a confusion. Uh, so, uh, Max is just psyched to be in the world right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So, anything else? Any kind of parting thoughts on this, gentlemen? I mean, it's a, it's, uh, it's, it's one point at the end of the day. Um, however, it's also m- minus two for uh, for the rival. So that's where we dropped off, wasn't it? That you know, the reverse fixture, we dropped off and went on a bad run. Hopefully, you know, that mm-hmm. was a good performance. And we pick up from that, and we, you know, we can recover some of that early season form. So, you know, it could propel us. Mm-hmm. Needs That's to be built. Worth celebrating. Needs to be built upon those the, a three nil away win and a draw against a very good team. No, it's all for nothing if we don't go and beat Newcastle. Now we need to build on it and, and try and salvage the season. Still, a lot to play for this season. Maybe not trophies wise or even European wise. Even though that's not entirely gone, I don't think. But this. There's a lot of wrongs you can write. We can still beat Man United. We can still do things that we don't usually do and get some of those monkeys off our back. Yeah. Um, all seriousness, that was a good team. They're good. You know what I mean? Like they're near the top of the t- near the top of the table for a reason. 
near the top. So, um, yeah. yeah, and Van Dyke just reiterating, that's a player. That's a legit, really good player. So, um, but but very wind. All right, so uh, <laughs> very very wind. I guess that's it for uh, for our diary reaction. We're okay. That's that's what I'll say. We're okay. You know, I'm not out. You know, doing shots to celebrate uh, our draw against a good team. But you know what? I'm I'm feeling all right about life. So I'll take that. Uh, so guys, uh, we're going to talk about Morgan Schneiderlin. Uh, somehow he clawed his way back into the uh, starting lineup uh, against Cardiff, and he was back. I, I don't know if we thought for sure if he was going to be back uh, for the Derby or not, but he was. And uh, you know what? He's performing well. He's protecting our defense. He's given us a, another shield, and, and frankly, the, the defense looks good with him in the game. It's a, it's a thing that we need to, to maybe start adjusting to. Um, <laughs> so... Um, so let's talk about how Silva is setting up the team now that Schneiderlin is in and how uh, the squad is approaching matches differently in terms of what we're doing, what we're actually doing differently as far as uh, pressuring and the, the fact that if Schneiderlin's shielding, what are other players doing? So, Max, is it okay if I start with you on this? It, or would you it's rather more than, I... It's more than fun. I'm, that because... because it's man crush Morgan time, friends. Oh no, I, I'm more than happy. I'm glad he's come back into the starting lineup. Like after the seven, obviously after the 17 day break, he's fought, you know, con- conceding far too many goals. Let's bring him back in. Let's see what he can do. Obviously, uh, that's obviously going to cause some sort of reaction with the Everton fans, particularly after some of his performances last season. Like he's done everything to be on a supporter's bad books that you could do. You know, you could see him have half arson games last season, but he's not now since he's come back into the team. He's screening the back four really well. And I think, obviously, in that last game against Cardiff, you see how that frees up Idris Gay and, you know, that to, to bomb on and push forward. I said in the last podcast that may just be because of the fact that it was Cardiff and that might have been the case because Idris Gay didn't, look to get forward as much but that was still I think the idea of how the team adjusts really Adriski pushes forward and adds another another number to the attack and Schneiderlin screens I mean as Teddy said he did get sloppy towards the end and which is quite a tendency of him but you know that, that's where you bring Andre Gomez in so you know I'm happy if that if it continues to be that way hmm. Terry how you feeling about the the job Schneiderlin's doing can't fault him for the last two games. It's, he's made a massive difference. Like, even just statistically, zero goals conceded in two games. Not all down to him, but he's a big part of it. I think he's got a long way to go to get back to being seen as a legitimate, you know, serious player in the squad because I still think if the season ended now, he'd still be on a lot of people's lists to be sold or on list, you know, like the, on the Deadwood list, as it were. Um, he can come off that, though. He, he said, "You know, there's no. He's not so far gone that he couldn't come off it." I'm putting my uh, cynical hat on. I do wonder whether this address a gay to PSG thing has sort of given him a carrot to play. You know, sort of. Well, 
to not only train him more intensely, but to try and make his point when he plays. Because that Silva did say that before the Cardiff game that in the 17 day gap, so um, Schneiderlin had really made a point of wanting to play. He'd really, you know, you know, flogged himself in training to try and make the team. So he said, "I've got to put him in and see how he does." And he's, you know, he's he's earned the manager's trust for the past two games. If he can carry that on for the rest of the season, then maybe he could earn himself a spot going forward. He said, well, I could actually make my career here. I could carry on as an Everton player. Because I think a lot of people, even before this, somebody had assumed that he was going to go to Marseille. It seemed to be a very heavy rumour and that it wasn't... It was one of those ones that didn't seem to didn't seem to go away. But he's still here and the Marseille deal hasn't materialised yet. So maybe, maybe uh, he's had a change of heart and said, you know what? I want to be here. I want to play for this manager, and I want. I could. He could still be that number six shield and player, especially if Adrissa Gay goes and we bring in a different, you know, sort of type of midfielder to go in, maybe alongside Andre Gomez and Schneiderlin. It's um, an interesting one because when we got him, he was absolutely fantastic. He was the key player in the team almost immediately. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he the first player bought with machinery money? I think no. he was. No, he, he wasn't because oh, we had yeah, before that. We had a Drissa Gay and Molassi before him, remember? We oh, bought yeah. in that we bought in that summer a Drissa Gay, Balassi and Williams. That was all machinery money because it was Steve Walsh, remember? Oh, yeah. And then and then he, he Kuman bought him in the January. He was one of the he was one of the first and he was a big Kuman player. Kuman saw him as like the linchpin of his midfield. He wanted to build his midfield around him and that first six months I could see why he was a. It was a lot of. He was, a lot of people called him it, but he was seen as a Rolls Royce of a player. He played in that number six role and just controlled the whole game from our point of view. And it just, just dropped off the. He just dropped off badly yeah. in, 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 last season. No, everyone did, but he was one of the most severe. You know, changes he'd gone from being quality to being terrible overnight and. Just need to, yeah. I think now it's just the point of which Morgan Schneiderlin do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that we bought or the one that we ended up with a little bit later on? Because if he could recapture that form when he first came in, he'd still be a quality player to have. He he, he was so good that we sold Gareth Barry on the back of how good he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you mentioned Silva talking about how Schneiderlin had been training lately. Um, Schneiderlin's father passed away. Uh, I believe earlier this season, uh, and I'm, I'm under the impression that it was kind of affecting his uh, mentality. Uh, and lately, he's just started to kind of get a little bit more back to normal. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what explains his half-assing toward balls in the box last season. Uh, that was really frustrating to watch. That kind of made me write him off. I'll just go ahead and say I was really angry at Schneiderlin. I was ready to sell him as soon as I saw him not spring. Because I'm sorry. I was always, whenever I played that game, I was always a hustle guy. And so that's the only thing that I really had was actually busting my ass for every single ball. Um, and when somebody doesn't do that, somebody as talented as, as he is, I, that just makes me so angry. Um and so, uh, however, he's, he's had this turnaround of mentality. Uh, his effort has gone up, uh, and he's clearly doing what Silva, what Silva wants him to do. And this complicates things 
in a way. I'm curious how much it complicates it for this summer in terms of transfers and whatnot. I'm really curious. Um, I'm also so. I mean, if he starts playing more, does this mean Gomez plays less? Is there a possibility that Gomez is not happy with subbing in in the last 15 minutes of games? Uh, and the more Schneiderlin actually gets back up to speed, does that mean he won't need to be subbed at the tail end of games as much? Uh, and, and if Gomez isn't playing regularly, he's not going to be happy. So does Gomez become less of a priority for us this summer in terms of purchasing him? Because we were laying out, we're thinking of laying out a decent amount of money for him this summer if he's going to be playing a lot. But if, we're, if he's not going to be playing as much, I don't know, I think he's a vitally important player. I'm, just add, I'm, I'm making, making conversation here because I think it's interesting to analyze. You know what no, I mean? Particularly if Idris Gay is, is on his way to Paris. Uh, you know, I think he is a priority for the summer, and I really like that idea of what Teddy brought up before that of a three-man midfield with Schneidlin, Gomez, and you know, X, whoever. But that mm. could, you know, be another target for the summer. I think that's jumping the gun a little bit as well. Like Schneidlin's come in, and we've had two decent games with him. Like, still don't think for one second that he's ahead of Andre Gomez in the pecking order. I think Gomez okay. is just a little spell out of the team, and Schneidlin will very quickly come out of the team if, if uh, the manager wants him to. I think Gomez is still the priority player for the summer. I think he's the type of player that Silva want to build his Everton team around, and I don't blame him, to be honest, considering how so, good he So, uh, if Drissigay leaves, we have to replace him. There's going to be a replacement. Gomez will not be the replacement. It will be someone in the mold of a decore. Right? We We know that's the type of player that Silva salivates over, and he makes a huge part of his squad. Um, so that player would be in. Gomez would be in if we purchase him. Schneiderlin, depending on which Schneiderlin we get, it's, you're right. It's hard to uh, – it, all this depends – all this conversation depends on Schneiderlin actually maintaining consistency, which he hasn't done for a while. So we're going to see if that actually continues. Um and, and and all this also, not to be. Uh, let me put on my cynical hat. Uh, it, sh- it could be Schneiderlin's just busting his ass because he wants to be able to get a move this summer. So there's all these different, you know, reasons for this stuff. Um, it's a it, right now. It's a good problem to have, though. Um, I'd be curious. You mentioned that three-man midfield with. Uh, Schneiderlin, Gomez, and whoever the replacement would be for Idrissa Gay. Um, I guess that mean, it, that makes things a little complicated as far as Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, At this point, it's, it's trying to work that out. Uh, I'd be curious how that would work. I think uh, it seems like games in which we need a goal, Sigurdsson stays in, Gomez subs in for Schneiderlin. Games in which we want to protect a lead, Sigurdsson goes out, Gomez comes in. You know what I mean? That's way, that's a it's one of the patterns. I think we could see a similar <laughs> pattern with if you replace one or two of the center options that we have. So you've got to remember as well, you know, when you think about it, if we do sell a Drissigay, which looks <coughs> quite at the minute, then we've only got really as permanent midfielders Schneiderlin and Davies and McCarthy, who never really plays due to injury. So by Gomez, 
and then replace Idrissa Gay, you've still only really got four viable midfield options for a middle three. If you don't include McCarthy, you've got Schneider and Davies, um, new player X and Gomez. So I think it, Schneider and you know the sort of revival of Schneider and under Silva might just be you know pragmatism. Going, he's a he's an all right you know a decent player if I can get him playing, and I can't afford to spend all my transfer budget buying three or four midfielders. I need I need other positions. I need you know right back. I need right midfield. I need forward. I can't buy. A whole new midfield department. I might have to get something out of Schneider and give make make him an option again, which he, he has done these last two games. There's nothing wrong with depth. We've talked about it before. The <coughs> idea of the idea of being able to rotate and not lose anything. Mm. You know, the idea of being able to make some subtle changes in the middle of a game that tweaks just a. a, a maybe changes a slight pressure point here or there just because of a slight difference in a player. Um, I, I feel like Silva definitely wants two good options at every single position, every one, and that's the type of depth he wants. Um, and we don't have that, so it could be we're talking about this. It just depends on which players are comfortable not starting every single game. And those are the type of players that seem like they're all about the team and want to be here. The players that want to play every single game and have to and want those assurances probably won't stay long at our club. I know it doesn't seem like Silva is down with that. So, interesting. These are, this is, I mean, it's a great thing. He came back. Uh, he's winning me back, Max. He's winning me back, your, your bud. Uh, I, I like a good redemption story. For me, yeah. it's just a you know the type of player that he is, the kind of lackadaisical Roman midfielder that screams the back four when he plays well, doesn't get as much credit as he should. You know, I think a, you know a larger example of that is like an Ivan Rakitic, just that type of player. I wish, so- I wish I wish he was a bit more agile and could push forward a little bit more. Yeah, I don't mind. You're a sucker for a for an unheralded like defensive center mid or center mid type of player who doesn't get the credit they deserve. You're, that's one of the things I've noticed. You're just like, oh, give me that player that nobody mentions. That's my guy. You yeah, if I, could, if, I could, if I could have Gareth Barry back, I would tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, I remember you mentioning, uh, making sure I mentioned Ilkay Gundogan from, uh, from City, you know, and, you know, it, it, and we were... He's not really the player you think of when you think danger men from City, but you're like, damn it, he's so good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. <laughs> so, oh man. So, anyway, Morgan Schneiderlin. Anything else on this this guy, uh, fellas? Anything uh, that we feel like we have not brought up? He's he's giving he's adding a, a different dimension uh, to our, and he's allowing other players to kind of become more creative, Idrissa Gay in particular. Um, and you've noticed that we are getting the ball to Sigurdsson more often with Schneider Linen as well. I don't, that could be just a coincidence and a change of focus for Silva. But, mm. yeah, I like it, though. We're actually moving the ball to the center more instead of just yeah. bombing the flanks and crossing back. And, yeah. Since we don't mention him, very often I'm just going to get this in now. Thank God he changed the squad number. A midfielder have a number two is a travesty. We all groaned when that happened. That was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, 
That hurt my soul when I saw that. And when I found out he'd changed it, I was so happy. Just that alone just gave him some points in the uh, in the plus column for me when he changed it to 18. Mm-hmm. Ah. And on that bombshell. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Morgan Schneiderlin, he's back. New and improved. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some of that. It's good. Um, and Max s- continues to smile. He's like, I knew it the whole time. All right, so that's it for our Morgan Schneiderlin segment. This guy's name is a lot of times accompanied by a groan. Uh, you hear that often. People look at the... Uh, at the starting team, and they go, "Ugh, Walcott." Ugh, you know what I mean? It's it's a lot of groaning. Uh, most Everton supporters at the moment are not really on the Walcott hype train, if I'm allowed to say that, being 40 years old. Uh, but he's a uh, he's been starting lately. Marco's been been uh, running him in the starting lineup. Um, why do we feel like Silva's giving him the nod lately? Uh, Terry, you wanna? You want to start there? I think you, I think off camera you were lamenting the same question. So, <laughs> uh, would you have anything you want to start us off with that one? I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why he's persisting with him when there's another really good option in the squad who everyone from fans to, you know, sports media to the club itself, like, you know, Adamola Luckman. The manager, the director of football, everyone has made a big deal about how he's a big part of the squad, and you know he's gonna, you know he's gonna play, and and he's not even on the bench at the minute, and it just Walcott's not playing well. Now I was saying off camera, how, you know people are getting a little bit, you know, too extreme with Walcott. For me, he's not certainly not on my two sell list. There's a lot of players I think we need to shift out before we even start to consider shifting out Walcott. I think over a season, player like him with his experience and his quality, he has got quality, will be invaluable. You'll need him across the season. But at the minute, there's no way he should be starting. He should, Adam Ola-Luckman should be starting ahead of him for the, at the very least. And if not, how well Bernard's playing. Try Richarlison on the right. He's played him up front, he's played him on the left. <laughs> I'd play him on the right. He might not be as effective there cutting inside, but, you know, that's the same thing with uh, Luckman. Luckman prefers to play on the left, but he gets made to play on the right and make the most of it, so we could do it with Richarlison. Say, right, well, you play in straight lines, you're direct, you're powerful, you're quick. Get on that right-hand side and give the left-back a problem and, and cut inside if you want. I just don't see what Walcott is doing at the minute to keep his place because he's not adding anything to the team and he seems to be coming off every game and it's not it's not um, an unjust frustration from supporters they know there's other players who can play there and should be playing there and they're not seeing them I just don't get it uh, Max obviously Marco Silva knows a lot about football <laughs> uh, but this is a widespread uh, complaint from a lot of supporters, like what's what's the deal with with Walcott getting the start continuously? Um, he's the only natural right wing player that we have out of all of. I mean, we've got three players who naturally slot into the left that left forward position: 
Lookman, Bernard, Richarlison, they all prefer to be on, on the left, despite being mm-hmm. right-footed players. They all like to cut in. Uh, so Walcott's our only natural fit. Uh, but is it his straight-line speed the reason that he's playing more? Or is it – I mean, I actually think – felt like the past two games he tracked back more than I had seen him track back the rest of the season. I, I agree. Like, obviously, coming back after that break, you look at the – you know, subjectively look at the opposition, Cardiff, very slow, static defence, having that type of breakaway speed introducing Walcott and you know it worked obviously he didn't have as great as the games um, and when you compare that and I think where the complaints are coming in from Evertonian is when you compare that to the left hand side and how Bernard's busting his ass full 90 minutes you know it just doesn't compare Walcott's are often caught out and it's magnified by for example Coleman's Paul you mentioned you know you said Coleman has kind of started playing better but he, he just come off a poor run as well, and that just you know he was exposed thanks to lack of coverage on the right hand side by Walcott. Mm. So you know it's just a lack of consciousness, isn't it? And uh, I, 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 Walcott's a, a funny case. Obviously, he broke through as a youngster, and he had such you know potential going from Southampton to Arsenal. And I, I, I and he, I, he personally wanted to play as a centre forward, which I, I do think, as Teddy said, that could be useful going forward, but. I don't think he's ever quite lived up to that potential. I mean, I I agree with that. I think a lot of Arsenal supporters would agree with you on that as well. Uh, based on yeah. how I mean, he I mean he was so hyped. He was so yeah. hyped when he when he was young and and up and coming. You know what I mean? So mm. I still think he could be. Re- I still think he could be really effective in in our system though. If if he started, as I say. Look at Snyderlin and how he's decided to start opening his work rate in training, and you're starting to see the result of that. If you, you know, work on more defensive coverage, and I'm surely sure the performances would simply improve. I, I mean, uh, I, I think personally, I think there's something going on with him. I don't think he's a happy guy right now. This is going to seem weird and like treating him like a human. And I apologize to to viewers and listeners for treating Walcott like a human. But when you actually w- look at his face when he's playing. He looks grumpy. He looks like he's not really happy to be out there. It's weird. Uh, it looks like he's in a bad mood almost all the time. Um, you don't really see him smiling. I felt like last season you actually saw him, uh, which was, which is crazy. Last season because that was last just season a, a he came in and made the difference though when he was brought in. He, exactly. He yeah, that, he was that injection of speed that we needed. And, yeah. I and he speed. had that. He had confidence though. Yeah. you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. He was the only fast player in the whole team, really, so he stuck out a mile, and they just played off that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I think I was just thinking then as you were talking, maybe that, maybe it's just purely tactical why he's in the team, because if you think about it, whenever we transition from defence to attack, he seems to be the outball. They always look for him. Now, maybe it's because he is so fast, and I forget how, you know, what he's doing with the ball. Because he's so fast, maybe he's making sure that the opposition don't play too high a line. He might just literally be there to pin the opposition's defence back. Because uh, even against Liverpool, every time we got the ball at him and transitioned it out of defence into going forwards, you'd get it to Walcott, and he'd be looking to, you know, he didn't really have it in him to go past Van Dijk. He'd try and cut in and try and dribble past Van Dijk. But that seems to be the thing. Pin their defence back. If they play too high, we can put it over the top of them. And Walcott is in, and he's fast. You know, regardless of how fast Liverpool's defence were, 
well cut is faster. He's not as you know, he's not speak saying nothing for his quality, but pure over a foot race. There's no one faster in our team. Even even the other fast players can't match Walcott for pace. So maybe it's just that. He just keeps the opposition from playing a really high line and pressuring us. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair to him, he had one really good opportunity first half that Max and I were talking about off camera. Uh, he had a, a nice breakaway where he just he pulled away. Uh, and then there was another one like a, I feel like it was a one-touch volley. Uh, there was he. I mean, he had some opportunities, but right now, I have zero confidence in him being clinical. You know what I mean? I don't. I feel like his confidence is down. He is part of the team where there's this there's this low, and I think with more results, that confidence will come back. Getting a getting a goal here or there, he's going to feel better. He's going to look stronger. He's going to enjoy his football more. You know, I I just think that will happen. Um, and Terry, I do. I think it is tactical. I think that's exactly why he's starting right now. Uh, I don't necessarily know that it's an effort thing. I think Silva sees uh, Bernard on one side, and he feels like we need another outlet to go deep if we need to. And we did try to go deep often yesterday uh, in the derby. So, uh, yeah. I wrote down a question, does he have a place in the squad next year? I do think he has a place in the squad next year. I think you guys agree. It's you know, we're, we're not really thinking, hey, let's sell Walcott right now. We're not as down on him as I think a lot of people are. I think it's easy to, to connect one face with a, with a losing streak and say, that's our guy, you know. But uh, I don't know. I, he is a natural right-wing player. I think a lot of it's going to depend on who we bring in. Who else? Who else is coming in, and is and is somebody else not happy, and how that could work? Um, I definitely think we're going to buy a player in his position, but with two players for each position, he he'll have to compete with someone. Whether well, whether Luckman stays or what's another question. But I think that whole right hand side is probably going to get you know new players put in this uh, this summer, and then what Coleman and Walcott will have to have a real fight on their hands to get their place and they could end up being cover for those players but so who that is remains to be seen yeah definitely be really curious the type of the what positions that Marcel Bronze brings in really curious about the positions you know uh, especially if people who have shown flickers of promise end up leaving curious as to, I'll be really curious as to why um, yeah man so Walcott, not really performing the way we'd prefer, but at the same time, it's not as bad as a lot of people make out. I think we'd agree, and we think the reason he's playing is, is tactical uh, because of his speed, essentially. And we don't really have anybody else that fast that can play that side. We just don't. So, all right. I guess that's it for our, uh, for our Theo Walcott segment. Um, We'll see if he actually starts next game. <laughs> no idea on that one. Against, uh, what is it, Newcastle? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Toffee's Wit and Might. Um, spiel over. So uh, this is going to be a, a quiz uh, where it's a math quiz. 
So there'll there'll be some music to match. Uh, so gentlemen, math time. Do you have a pen, paper, calculator, abacus? Okay, let's get started. Gentlemen, take, take. Yakubu's squad number at Everton minus Magai Gay's squad number at Everton. Times Mikel Arteta's squad number at Everton. Plus Luis Saha's goal tally at Everton. Do we understand the question? Do you need me to repeat any part of the question? We do, but what's, what? 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 The, the squad number when I has assigned. Yeah, he had two squad numbers. Yeah, he had, squ- he had two squad numbers. I think you should assume that this is not the one when he signed. It's the one that he wore for the bulk of his years. Okay. Okay. Any other questions before we start the clock? You understand, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And begin the clock. should be it uh so Um, gentlemen uh what was let's let's get uh terry what was your total number i've probably got it badly wrong because i've got like minus one three three (laughs) (laughs) minus one three three run run me through the questions again i think i've got it right Uh, yakubu's squad number at everton yeah. Minus Magai Gay's squad number at Everton. Yeah. Times Mikel Arteta's squad number at Everton. Yeah. Plus Luis Saha's goal tally at Everton. Yeah, minus one three three. Don't know how. Because <laughs> I've got twenty two minus nineteen uh-huh. times ten. Plus um, 34. So maybe it's just 133. I don't know, but... Uh, Hold on. Do your math again. Okay? Do your math again. Max, what was your total? 57. 57. And how did you get that? Right. Because I got 22 for Yakubu squad number. Right. Minus 19 for Magage's squad number. And then this is where I was, like, disputing... Um, Mikel Arteta's because I put six down initially, but now I think you mean ten, and then plus um, Luis Sahar's goal tally twenty-seven. Okay, yeah. I've redone my math and I've got sixty-five. You have sixty-five. I have sixty-five when I wasn't doing my maths like an idiot. Yeah, when you were describing what your total was and you were walking me through it, I was like, Terry, there's no way you can come up with one thirty three for that. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, it was a problem with how I was doing the math. So uh, I've redone it like 
with <coughs> I've got 65 now. Max, do you have any problem with him redoing his math, or do you think he should have stood on that negative 133? I've got no problem at all. I, I just, just wanted to make to sure we were take... being fair here. Okay. Yeah, just so... drop the stop taking the piss with the maths thing. <laughs> I, I just thought I was the one that was meant to have the problems with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Yakubu's squad number was 22. Minus Magaige's squad number, which is 19. That gives you three. Times Mikel Arteta's squad number. And yeah, 10. So that's 30. Plus Luis Saha's goal tally at Everton, 35. So the total should be 65. Max, are you sure you don't want Terry to stand on that negative 133 now? Oh, good. <laughs> oh, I didn't think so. You're all, like, totally chill about most <laughs> things, so I figured you would be fine. Uh, yeah, Terry, I was like, what kind of new math are you doing over there? Because <laughs> you were walking me through it, and I'm like, wait, all your numbers are right for the most part. How on earth are you coming up with that? So, um, so yeah, and uh, there was a tiebreaker. Uh, just for fun, uh, because I've seen him recently on that Sunderland show, which has broken my heart. Um, how many appearances did Darren Gibson have for Everton? A lot less than what he should have. Um, mm-hmm. 55. Uh, what'd you say, Terry? I went with 55. 55. Uh, Max, what do you got? I go 67. 67. Max is closest on this one. It was 69. 69. 51 starts, 18 as a sub. So, Max, you, to be somebody who was out celebrating earlier, you've been you've done, you've done all right. You've done all right tonight. All right. Good things. Good things. All right. So, Terry, congratulations. You, uh, you are, are, are the wiener. You've done well. Well done, sir. Uh, Max, you also did well, just less well. That's, uh, it happens. Terry, what song are we, are, are we going to play out to? I am going to... I've already got it picked out. Don't need to go through the Spotify. I'm going to do a little tribute to Max on his, uh, his good day, his celebratory day, and his success that he's had this morning. So I'm going to go with... Champagne Supernova by Oasis. Love that, Teddy. Thank you very much. That's a good one. Many layers of celebration. Champagne, (laughs) Oasis, Max the (laughs) Law. That is good. Yeah. I thought you were going to go for Money by Pink Floyd, but (laughs) I'll take that one. Yeah, it could have been that as well. I wanted to stick with Oasis. Yeah, this is one of those that, uh, that was pretty mainstream here in America on... MTV and the radio. I heard it often. Uh, yeah, love that one. I don't even know what else to add to this one to like, you know, analyze Champagne Supernova. I just I don't know anybody who's like, you know, I hate that song. It's just kind of, you know, nice. Apparently, apparently Liam went into a back of a studio and wrote that in like 15 minutes. Apparently, if I'm correct and if that's the right song, because I remember watching a documentary and he says one of like the big ones he wrote in like 15 minutes Jesus. straight at the bottom. So, like, geniuses. They're just amazing. Yeah. What the hell? Well, I guess as as uh, everyone is dreamily 
oozing out of our podcast to Champagne Supernova. Uh, it is it is time to end the big show. Uh, congratulations, Max, on your on your big day. I will uh, I'll have a I'll have a pint for you tonight when I'm at my house uh, <laughs> watching The Wire with my wife. Uh, <laughs> so. If you've been listening via podcast, we sincerely appreciate your your presence and uh, your ears, which have been uh, graciously taking in our voices. Thanks for that. Um, if you want to check us check us out on YouTube, you can see our faces to match our voices with our faces. I mean, I'm not really going to recommend it because I see me all the time, but hey, these guys are great. So just check it out if you want. Um, if you want more Terry, check him out on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. Uh, he'll be there every once in a while so look at his Twitter for that the details are below the description Max's details are below there as well so, so you can check his Twitter for him just talking about all his hot stuff that's been happening to him lately but also he'll be on uh, a lot of the, the Toffee Blues website he does a lot of analysis on there so check that out all things Everton on the Toffee Blues website you notice I'm trying to do a nice smooth voice I'm not trying to be as grating as normal because Champagne Supernova's on yeah uh, so uh so please follow uh, the Top of Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That'd be you'd be a lot cooler if you did. Uh, I think that's all, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time, Terry. Good to see you, man. Oh, always a pleasure, fellas. See you soon, Max. Congrats. Don't don't Thank don't, you don't get much. too crazy tonight, man. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about okay. it. I'm gonna. <laughs> all right, man. Matthew McConaughey. Then what? If not everybody wants one, that's the that's the yeah the, the people. What's the other one? Are you talking about uh, Dazed and Confused? Yeah. Yeah, I might watch that. You know. Yeah, you should. It's been a while since I've seen it too. It's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.